All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Keon Mitchell. He's here to break it all down for us, to go a little bit deeper, to talk to us a little bit more about trials, tribulations, lessons, his wins, his successes. He's here to talk to us about it all. Keon, how you feeling? You good? I'm doing good, man. I'm all right. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I feel like there's a lot to gain from this episode. I feel like uh, you hit it on the head with the last segment when you mentioned if you're just a creative in general, right? Like you don't have to necessarily be an actor to appreciate a lot of these lessons. And uh, you talked about how we should be moving, um, how we should try to build those relationships. But when I think about legacy and I think about relationships, in my opinion, a lot of that comes from a strong first impression. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of how do you, what's your mindset when meeting um, anyone for the first time that that can play a role in your career or just kind of meeting people who are influential? How do you kind of like make sure that you leave a pretty solid first impression on people? Well, first and foremost, you know, I would definitely always want to start off by introducing myself. <laughs> of course, you know, first, you know, um, everybody doesn't always have to ask who you are for you to tell them who you are. Right. You know, so that's that's key. You know, um, I always try to make sure that when people meet me, they you know, they they get a, a nice warm welcome. And things like that, I automatically open up my arms to my experiences and stuff like that to kind of, you know, bring people in and begin the conversation of um, the inquisitive conversation of what do you do or what do you have going on and who are you? What do you want to be? You know, things like that. And, you know, people when people always meet you before you even say one word, they've already judged you. So once you actually kind of begin the conversation and, you know, the words start coming out of your mouth, it's about what you say and how you want to in regards to how you want to impact somebody. You know, to be able to start one, leaving that legacy that we discussed earlier, you know, legacy extends way beyond the screen and way beyond the stage. You know, so I definitely want to make sure that, you know, um, when I meet people, you know, I'm really welcome. But at the same time, also, I also have a people always tell me I have a very stern demeanor. You know, it might be (laughs) it might be my Capricorn or just my discipline or just my just my. That's my focus, right? Because, you know, I kind of move with a sense of caution nowadays because, you know, it's also one of those things too. I'm more than willing to give without expectation, you know, but at the same time, you also got to protect yourself too at the same time, right? You know, so mm. it's also that sense of, yes, it's welcome, but at the same time, you know, it's also layers, you know, as well as you begin to kind of carve that out, right? So um, I'm, I'm very professional, even in, in my personal life, which kind of might be a kind sometimes, right? It might be a little thorn, you know, but this is kind of how I've been groomed to be. Since, since I can remember, which is about sixth grade when I was in a, par- a program called Genesis, you know, uh, that kind of taught young men how to be men, gig lines, you know, military stuff, all kind of things. So I definitely want to make sure that I kind of give people a nice warm welcome, um, a nice impression and things like that, you know, but also give them the business too at the same time too. And that's new yeah, and I mean, old. Yeah. yeah. Naturally, you're a very inviting guy and naturally you are very uh, charming. You're very welcoming. So a lot of people are going to gravitate towards you. But going back to what you said about trying to keep things somewhat professional, just because you're trying to feel out people's intentions, you're trying to feel out um, whether conversations and relationships feel genuine or if they feel like they have some ulterior motive, some type of underlying goal. And um, I guess for people who are kind of in your same boat where there's a lot of friendly people who are, you know, starting to really build some traction with their careers, um, would you advise them to do the same thing to try to to try to keep even some of their more personal relationships still professional to feel out people's intentions? Or do you do you advise kind of against it now that you've kind of done it for a while? It's kind of a hybrid of both. You know, you got to kind of. You know, you do want to make sure you fill out your surroundings and your future relationships with people because people do sometimes have negative intentions, man. You know, I've kind of dealt with a lot of personal things, you know, that could have, if exposed, you know, could have definitely put me in some pretty compromising, very extreme compromising situations. I've only been in it for five years. I haven't even reached my plateau. That could easily, some things could have easily shut my career down, you know. Um, So it's, you know, and that's coming from close friends at that. Right. Mm. You know, so, you know, it was always one of those things where, again, it's all about protecting yourself, but not building such a wall to where nobody can necessarily get to you because you build the wall so high you start missing and you start missing out on opportunities and relationships that are meant to be blessings. But one thing that I actually learned from that is that that blessing is going to bust that wall down, whether you like it or not, because that's what God has for you. You're right. You know, um, I believe in blocking your blessings, you know, through relationships. 
but I also believe at the same time, you know, that I believe you can block your blessings through relationships. However, at the same time, I also believe that if that blessing was a true blessing, it'll be there no matter what, just like friends. Man. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, just talking about relationships, talking about uh how to make sure that things still stay friendly, um, and and that you have people's best interests. And what I'm very interested in as you as a black male actor, and we talk about community, we think about community. Um, do you feel as though there's a huge responsibility on you as a black male actor to be uplifting your class? of other black male actors or other black female actors. And if there is a responsibility, like what advice would you give for us to support us? There is a major responsibility because again, going back to that legacy and impact, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of talent do you want to, what do you want to be? What kind of professional do you want to be? You know, it's a major responsibility, especially when you got younger generations that are following your lead, and especially in this crazy world we're in right now. You know, mm-hmm. we're running out of we're running out of good examples. Our good examples are passing away; they're dying. Yeah, fast. So it's like, okay, so what kind of man do I want to be? And this actually streamlines another conversation, you know, that we could possibly have later on towards the end of the podcast, depending on the questions you may ask, right? So, <laughs> you know, but just really streamlining that and understanding that responsibility because. Once you understand that responsibility, you then understand how you want to leave that impact. Then you then also begin to see that impact show. And then, it, then based on you actually seeing the impact that you have on others, it makes you actually want to look at yourself and say, is this a genuine impact? And what is it about myself that I need to fix to actually make that impact honest? So you then begin to question what you have going on personally that others may not know behind closed doors to kind of, you know, make you reflect and ultimately pursue being the person and the man and really being the image that you are in real life. You know what I mean? So it's a full circle situation. You know, you're looking at the screen, you see yourself on screen, you know, stuff like that. You're playing this great dad, this great man. I'm not a dad yet. You know what I mean? But you're playing this great dad and things like that or whatnot. But then you look at yourself in the mirror sometimes like, dang, am I really your great dad? Or could I really be a good dad? What am I really doing right now? Because people fall in love with that guy. But how do people really feel about me? <laughs> you know what I mean? So so it then becomes a, a personal journey. Acting is a personal, emotional, spiritual, faithful journey. And in order to reflect that on that screen, you got to have, you know, you got to have a piece of you has to have something to connect to to be able to create that to some capacity. But then again, you want to question it. it. It makes you question yourself off screen and say, Hey, I want to be, the, I want to be like that guy. And that guy is you. How do you keep those, those, those characters authentic? Cause you, you actually just kind of led right into my next question of kind of preparing for a role, getting your mindset into, into the mindset of the character, understanding their motivations, understanding why they make the decisions that they make the type of man that they are, the type of character, the type of morals and pillars that they stand on. Like, how do you kind of prepare for those roles and keep those characters authentic? Authentic. Um, so with acting, every role that any actor plays, there's a piece of that person in that character. Mm. Every Like, there's, you know, training day, Denzel Washington, for example, right? You know, any... Any actor could have done that, but nobody could have done it like Denzel Washington. Facts. You know, if you put Samuel L. Jackson in that position of uh, Alonzo from Training Day, you would have got a different Alonzo. It would have been a different movie. It, it would have been a different movie. If you would have put Wesley Snipes up in that thing, that would have been a completely different movie. You know I mean? <laughs> Talk about Jack City over here. I mean, so you know, it would have been a different vibe, a different concept. So I say that to say, how do you keep that character genuine? You add elements of who you truly authentically are and you put yourself in that character's shoes in their life. You know, my acting coach, Kelly Hinman, uh, who's a uh, first generation Meisner teacher, Meisner coach, my acting coach. You know, we were in class. He would always say, Keon, this is a, this is an extreme situation that you probably wouldn't undergo in real life, probably. But in a situation like this, what would Keon do? See, people fall in love with the character. But people are also falling in love with you at the same time. So this circles back into that authenticity that you have in that time to personally develop yourself, to have a certain kind of spirit 
you know, to where you can align yourself with different things or whatever that may look like for that particular talent. Everybody has different methods. You know, there's something called emotional recall. People kind of relate back to old things or old experiences in their life. And they apply that to the circumstances that they actually are in, the imaginative circumstances that they're a part of. And they create that character based on emotional recall or previous experiences where you have other actors that have the ability to just use certain methods to just kind of dive right in and create, you know, in that moment and things like that as they kind of go. So every character that I've ever played that I've ever played so far, even this messed up dude named Kirk in a play that I did called Head Over Heels, he was a womanizer, right? You know, so mm. I'm not a womanizer, right? So I had to find I had to find elements of myself and under and the thing is not only finding elements of myself, but also understanding the craft and the work that allows you to be able to step outside of yourself and let that character take over your mind. Break that down a little bit, because that that was that there's a lot to that right there of getting into the character's mind. So break that down just a little bit. Okay, so I use Kirk as an example. You know, Kirk was a womanizer who took advantage of women. This is uh, Lolita Snipes' head over heels play. We did it back there. Oh. It's a, it's a, she does it all the time. We did this. I was an understudy for uh, for uh, Tony Hightower, and he was understudy for Q Parker for 112. So I played, okay, okay. played Alonzo. I mean, not Alonzo, I'm sorry. I played uh, Kirk, and, um, you know, he's used to taking advantage of women, and he'll put his hands on women and things like that, and all kinds of chaos just to get what he wants. So in real life, that's not Keanu Rising Mitchell. So when you're understanding the craft and understanding, that was one of the first times that I was really able to say, you know what, how is it really diving into this character and not judging the character? You know, because the moment you get into a script and you start judging the character, you've already lost. Everybody's just everybody's justified for the things that they do. It's how you tell the story to get the audience to understand that person's that that character's justification to make that make the audience side with that character, even if he's the criminal or the villain. Like because even as the antagonist or even as the villain, in their mind, a lot of their actions are justified for whatever reason. Correct. They believe that they're doing it for a reason and that their reason it it's 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 their reason and that's enough. Exactly. It's crazy, man, because even with Kirk, right? Like for me. That was a that was a whole mind f, you know what I mean? Like that, it took me a little minute to get out of that character because I had to let it consume me. And even when I'm on stage, like it's crazy in acting how your mind kind of plays tricks on you a little bit. Like even though you're in the midst of creating in front of a live six hundred audience, six hundred people audience, right? You have to make some decisions. And you also right. have to understand that people aren't there to see you; they're there to see Kirk. Right. They're there to see that character. What would that character do in decision in certain decisions? What would Keon do in certain decisions? Right. So I had to find those elements of the character that wasn't me. That was him, which was a, you know, behind the un, under the facade, a hood, didn't care, careless, reckless, abusive man. But then also find those moments where he was charming and appealing to the women that he was uh, that he was engaging with. And that aspect, I was able to, in my mind, pull out my charming side, the Keon side of me, to simply be who I really am in real life on stage. But when it's time to turn up and become something that I'm not, that's when Kurt tells me in my mind, Keon, step back. This ain't you. I got it. <laughs> like, hey, let me go ahead and take the wheel real quick. Let me t- exactly. Let me take the wheel. Keon has left the building. OK. You know I mean, and, and it, it's crazy. How that happens, you know. A lot of us get caught up in being perfect in this, in our, in our art as artists. As artists, we don't play about our shit. Excuse my language. You know what I mean? No, no. And no. we really, uh, we don't play about it. And uh, we, we always seek perfection. But one thing that I've learned through every single project that I've done that I've always overly criticized myself about, and I always felt like I could have done better at or better in, even with Lovecraft Country, right? I've always found that major flaw which is a quote that I, that I use nowadays, you know, per- perfection paralyzes potential. Mm. So if you're striving to be perfect like something, you're minimizing your potential to explore other realms of things or other stretches and expand your horizon to things that you have that you can't even discover because you're so focused on the parameters of being perfect. And in order to be perfect, 
perfect is a construct based on your mind and what you think perfect is. But to other, but right. to others, that potential of you doing something outside of your room of perfection may be perfect to them. So you minimize. And, that, and, and that's but that's the biggest thing, right? Like a lot of us, I think a lot of us in general have a hard time wrapping our mind around the fact that we'll grow, we'll we'll iterate, we'll become better over time. Things may look sloppy in the beginning, things may look rough around the edges in the beginning, but these are the growing pains. Huh? Like you gotta, you gotta I think you used to I think you used to in your Instagram bio, you used to say like you either gotta go through it or grow through it. Yeah. And yep. it's one of them things and it's one of them things where it's just like you you genuinely you genuinely do where like you got to go through those rough pains, those rough patches um, in order to have a story, to have a testimony. Exactly. I'm, I'm Honestly, it just kind of wore my heart up. Why that you remembered that quote? I didn't think nobody listened to that thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> the quote, yeah, the quote was you either you either go, you either grow through it or you go through it over and over again. Mm. And same thing. That's not just personal stuff. That's with your craft. You, you got to go through it. You know, you got to go, you got, you got to go through it. And when you go through it, you got to grow through it. If you're not going to grow through it, you're going to keep going through that test over and over and over again until you get it right. And if you don't ever get it right, don't find yourself, you know, you're going to find yourself not, I mean, unsurprisingly or not surprisingly being static or stagnant in wherever it is that you're trying to go. You know, you just got to get, you got to get your hands dirty and be okay with what comes with that. People's opinions, losing opportunities, having to take a break to come back, um, you know, reinvent it. This is what it is, you know, and you can and people can attest to that in their not only their professional lives, but their personal lives at the same time, too. And when you got good surroundings, good friends, good brothers, good sisters and things like that, that got your back, that understand that that people are human and you got that circle. It makes things a whole lot more seamless. Right? So the thing is, Keon, you take good care of your body. I'm pretty sure you eat pretty well <laughs> and you got mad energy and thinking about thinking about just kind of like you said, the list of things that we need to do. How do you avoid feeling fatigued? Or if you do feel fatigued, what advice do you have for the listening actors and creatives who may be feeling fatigued just from all the work that goes into like trying to get into this career and trying to make it happen? Um, eating, well, eating is, is, is a thing. I eat generally healthy. My weekends are trash, but Monday, <laughs> Monday through Friday, I'm tearing up baked foods and vegetables. I love vegetables, man. My mama, she said. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. Boy, I used to eat all my vegetables before I ate the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um that helps me with my fatigue, you know, with when I do get fatigued, you know, I'm very high energy naturally. So I don't use a lot, of, I don't use supplements at all, really. This is natural. So um when I in moments where I do feel when I do feel fatigued, you know, I either go to the gym, I work it off, I burn it off, or honestly sometimes, man, you know, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I take a break. I take yeah. a break for a few days and I just start. You know, because sometimes yeah. you gotta just to, just to take care of your mental yeah, health. Yeah, man. That's one, that was one of my biggest flaws, man. You know, um, that's something that my therapist actually helped me understand this year. You know, a lot of people are afraid to mention therapists. Now I got me one, and it's the best decision I made as, as a man. We love I mean, to hear so, it. So, so, side note, if you're out there and you know you got some shit going on, don't be afraid to call that therapist up and talk to him about it because you'd be surprised how many questions it makes you ask about yourself. So there's nothing wrong with it, you know, especially my fellow black brothers get to it and my sisters. We need it. And it's helpful. Yeah, we we be we deal with a lot of trauma. And I spe- I feel like especially in your craft where actors have to tap into trauma and they have to tap tap in the baggage and stuff like that. I think if anything, you guys definitely need to have somebody you trust who can play the therapist role because like you guys are going into a lot of emotions pretty often. Yeah, yeah, like we we do. Like it's that emotional anxiety and fatigue is nuts. Like you, we really we really that deep. Like man, class like over there with Kelly studying Meisner, and even with Beth Becker at Inside Studios in, in Atlanta. Like you 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 get so caught up in your emotions. Sometimes you get trapped in them because it, it's emotional recall. You're bringing back emotions that you that you don't even want to touch that you're scared to touch. Like. I'll be honest, you know, like with me in anger, for example, you know, it's crazy how most actors or most people are. There's it's so easy for them to just happen to anger than vulnerable, than be vulnerable enough to be happy. And again, chasing a, a, a career like this, it makes you think about those kind of things. It's like, you know, when I'm auditioning, what am I auditioning looking like? Right. I'm always angry. I'm always looking for the angry role. And it makes you think like, damn, why? 
Yeah, like why? Why do I feel real comfortable in this role? Killing it, you know what I mean? That's like, yo, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm busting glasses. I'm, 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 I'm some socks from the gas station. You know what I mean? I'm going crazy. Like, you know what I mean? I'm wild. Like you know, then you start thinking about that. Like, dang, like I did that too well. <laughs> you know I mean, too too serious, yeah. right? But when it's time for me to be vulnerable and open to my happy, charismatic side. It's, it can be a challenge sometimes. So that made me question, like, okay, what are my emotions? What am I going through? This is, is this a reflection of me, you know, to some capacity? And then to, 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 to truthfully, truthfully speaking, it was. And that's something that I had to actually deal with and address, you know, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, circumstances, you know, like, you know, this encounters with people. It's just sometimes just generational trauma that you just get that's just embedded in genetics. That you just got to face. And that's when you start breaking those curses and breaking those cycles. You know, so at least from a talent as an actor perspective, yes, we do dive into so many different emotional traumas or there's so many there's so many different kinds of emotions. It's not always trauma. And we got to find ways to deal with that and, you know, deal with that as an actor, because you have to give it truthfully. And it comes from an honest place. And because it comes from an honest place. You really got to kind of figure out how to either level back and understand that it is just acting. But if you're hanging on to it too long, sometimes you got to kind of figure out what is it really. And then that's when that therapy kind of really kind of helps. So you just kind of take some time to yourself with God and really figure out what's like, what, what is it if it kind of gets to that, that level? Because it gets it can get really deep to where you're just locked in and you can't get out of it sometimes. And as we kind of talk about like playing those roles that you feel very comfortable in, we mentioned earlier typecasting and we mentioned how actors and the talent, the, the people who are recruiting the talent, um, both can fall victim to typecasting, whether they keep trying to cast you for a certain role um, or you feel comfortable and you kind of stay in your comfort zone and play certain roles. And so I think typecasting um traditionally is a negative thing. I think that traditionally typecasting can really hurt the black portrayal in media because I find like we get casted in a lot of really negative roles, but I could also argue that typecasting isn't always a bad thing because I think you can get typecasted in very positive roles and you know, we kind of know the type of roles that a Samuel L. Jackson will take. We kind of know the type of roles that a uh, Daniel Kalu Kaluuya would take. We kind of know that. And it's it's almost kind of like flipping the narrative on what typecasting is. Like, you just know the type of quality of role that I will take. So what are your thoughts on typecasting? And is it inherently a bad thing or can it be a good thing? Sometimes? It can be both. It depends on one of the actor's, um, actor's goals. Right, depends on their goals, mm -hmm. but in um, that's that could, that's more so on the positive side. Like, so if you have a positive, if you have a role, say, I want to be a dad. I want to be like that. That symbol, you know. Then if you get a lot of roles that symbolize that, then you're essentially in a good space. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But then you got situations where you have actors that want to do other things outside of being somebody's dad. You got actors that that want to blow some shit up. You know what I mean? I mean, so yeah. I want to blow something up. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah, like I want, I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do a little action role with you know, Vin Diesel. I'm trying to sell some drugs. You know, I'm trying to do something like that. You know, like, so, <laughs> yeah. Let me stop being a dad real quick and yeah, sell I'm some I'm trying drugs. to sell some drugs. You know, I'm trying to do all that. You know, so it's, you can easily get typecasted, which is another reason. Huh? Like one of the dudes that comes to my mind is my man's from Moonlight, um, Ashton Sanders. And he uh, he was he played like the teenage role in Moonlight. And then he's also been doing a whole bunch of stuff. So like um, uh, he was in the Wu-Tang uh, uh -huh. TV show. I think he played RZA. But um, I find like they always put him in a role where he's kind of playing like a gangster, like adolescence kind of uh -huh. kid. And. But he kind of kills that role. Like, he does it really well. So that's why I ask, like, is typecasting always a bad thing? Because, yeah, I feel like he keeps getting the same role. But at the same time, like, he's kind of eaten every time exactly. I see him on screen. And, again, it depends on it, – it, that could that could very well may not be his goal. That could be mm. opportunities presenting themselves. You know what I mean? Um you know, once you kind of get, in my opinion, you know, once you kind of get typecast, you kind of get stuck in there. Like Adam Sandler, for example, you know, when they drop gems, that's what everybody yeah. else feel. He's a comedian. 
<laughs> yeah, they were they were like, yeah, Hold he's on. a comedian. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, so I went to go and see it, and that's one of my favorite movies, man. You know, and it, it was bomb. He killed that. You know, however, you know, the 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 infamous question is, how long did it take for him to? get out of that that realm of comedy or was that something that he was able to just do and he just took a break or something like that you know what i mean like those are those things that you just don't really know right you know but i'm not against typecasting it's just for me i don't want to be typecasted you know my portfolio as of right now is relatively uh diverse right now you got dads you got a time i want to keep it that way so i'm more than willing to take a lot of different roles and opportunities right and that could be perceived as quantity over quality and that's more so for I, for where I am in my career, trying to still build different looks and different images and perceptions, you know, to kind of boost um, the whole diversity concept in regards to my portfolio and what it is I'm trying to do. So that way, when when the future uh, when, the, when future projects do come, I'm able to you know say, oh, Keon, he's a secret service guy over here, but over here he's a, he's a doctor. But then next thing you know, two years later on down the road, he's selling drugs. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he's selling drugs. Right? And I want and it, it's, yeah, he could do he could do any role. If I could do any role. Really though, I mean, I think that you know that gets into a conversation of an actor's of an actor's range, right? You know, and I, I want to be able to to push myself and pull a Kevin Hart movement. Say, I don't want to do this project because I've been a dad in too many projects. I now want to try something different. That ties back to that ties back to legacy, like what we were talking about, right? When you think about your legacy, correct? Term. Exactly. You know, what are you leaving behind? Oh, you know, he was the guy in every movie raping chicks. Like, no, I don't want that to be my legacy. I got to walk in public, man. Yeah, I mean, I, right. I, I walk in public. Right. People are gonna be scared. You killed that movie in a row where he was a rapist, man. But you know, what was you thinking about, bro? Because, <laughs> yo, that's how we feel in all the all the Tyler Perry movies, all the joints. Like, yo, we be so angry at the bad guys. Like, yo, if I see you in if I see you in real life, I might have yeah, a exactly. Like, it's funny, man. You know. So, um, again, you know, I'm I'm for typecasting, but I'm also not for typecasting. You know, it just also depends on you know my goals, and as my goals change, which they will, as I achieve, you know, keep knocking them off the board. You know, things could very well change and there may be something that I kind of get drawn into that may work for me that that the world may love. And mm -hmm. is it, it as as we talk about diversity and we talk about making sure your portfolio is diverse when it comes to your career? I'm very interested. What are your thoughts on actors dabbling in writing and directing as well? Because I think in recent times we've seen a lot of actors slash directors slash writers that have been really killing the game. I think about like Issa Rae. I think about Jordan Peele. I think about these people who like have um, just show that like, yo, I can kind of go in any arena. And like, what are your thoughts about actors maybe dabbling in all the areas of I think of it's media? bomb. I think it's bomb. Like that's a challenge within itself. It's a skill set to direct. It's a skill set to write. It's a skill set to act. And to be able to cross all three of those lanes is phenomenal because that puts you in a powerhouse position on somebody's set when you're the director who wrote it. At the same time, you're also an actor, so you understand acting. Every writer isn't a good director. Every director right, isn't right, a good right. writer. Every director yes. isn't a good acting coach. So yes. you have somebody who understands the dynamics of a set let alone understands the dynamics of, you know, the roles and positions and things like that when it comes to creating an overall production. I think it puts you in a suitable position. I'm all for it, man. You know, um, I think that honestly makes, I think having those different experiences, let's say you are a writer or you or you have um, a writing um, characteristic to you and you're trying to direct a movie, and let's say you're even trying to uh, trying to direct a movie that you're the lead star of. You're trying to direct your own movie, and you wrote it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that puts you in a position to. That's, but that's hard. Yeah, that's hard though, dog. Like I'm, you know, what I'm saying that's like that's super impressive. If you're like, yo, I wrote this. I can direct it. I can act in it. And and to your point where you said like being able to put your mindset into those three different it, mindsets. Is each a skill because relating to actors, relating to writers, and relating to directors, they're all three different things looking at the same exactly, movie in different ways. You know, but that being said, I have to give a major, major, major shout out to Tyler Moore, aka 
Shout out to the fam, South Carolina State University. She wrote, she wrote, produced, direct, and also was my lead actress in the American Black Film Festival project that got nominated for a card normal. Will be yeah, so normal was about a uh, was about um you know Alexis and Roman trying to have a kid. They're young, it's based in the 90s, you know, they finally finally when they finally do have a child, our child comes out with Down syndrome. So that's that's so that's mm. movie and uh, stuff like that. And hopefully we get us to get ourselves in a space where we can kind of get put on a platform so people can actually still you know enjoy it and enjoy the story. But major shout out to Tyler Moore Tippett Productions for her doing that, you know, on her own with a major support base with her own money. And that project did great in the American Black Film Festival. And this was her very first project. I can't wait to see what's next. Do you feel as though we should be building our own? So I had another podcast episode where I talked to a director who directs films and I asked him this question and I think I'll overlap this question from his pod with yours as well. Um, do you feel that we should be trying to build our own tables or, or still like just working with the tables that exist and trying to climb those ladders. There's pros and cons to both. And I want to break down the pros and cons with, um, with climbing the ladder that already exists. You have more access to resources, funding, you kind of can go after the connections and the relationships that are already there. Um, and although sometimes you are limited creatively, you can position yourself to where you can branch off. So let's go back to the Jordan Peele, Issa Rae conversation. Jordan Peele to me, positioned himself in a way with building a fan base and kind of climbing the ladder of Comedy Central and his P Key and Peele skits to get the type of respect and recognition to branch off. And now he's completely made a different lane for himself. Um, whereas Issa Rae, I feel like didn't necessarily from the outside looking and didn't climb the ladder, more or less built her own table. She started with like a grassroots approach, started with making uh, YouTube videos, building traction that way, and then uh, getting enough of a following that way to keep that career going. And now she's become kind of a cultural icon too. Both of them have become cultural icons. I think one focused on building the table. I think one focused on kind of like climbing the table that already existed. But do you have any thoughts on as far as black people, should we be building tables or trying to navigate and climb the um, tables that exist? I got a somewhat controversial answer to that. Because um, again, I'm kind of on both okay. sides. You know, there's opportunities or excuse me, there's resources that we don't always have access to, you know, that we you know, that's hard for us to get, you know, and there's processes and things like that, that we need others, you know, to be able to give us that knowledge to understand how to build the right way, right? right there's right, at the end right. of the day, there's, there's one gate, you go through that one gate, there's another gate, you know? So I believe in doing both at the same time, you know? So that being said, you know, you know, I'm, I'm working my hardest, you know, to, climb the Hollywood ladder and, you know, hopefully one day I get my star on Hollywood Boulevard and climb that ladder of a table that's that. of a table that's already been built of a machine that's already established and oiled down while also bringing those resources and knowledge back to my peers at home who are also trying to, trying to do the exact same thing in their own way who may not understand how certain things may actually need to work. You know, so again, you know, um, excuse my ignorance on this. If anybody's hearing this, that may know better than, you know, but even in Issa Rae and Jordan Peele, they're still sitting on a certain platform that is centered around a certain structure, an ideal structure, uh, an, an ideal mm. structure that's already kind of been established is tweaked and done their way. You know, um, genre wise, you know, how things are going about being shot, you know, but, you know, at the same time, it's also one of those things where, you know, why, why reinvent the wheel sometime when it's already, when it's already there? You know, how about you take, how about you kind of take the wheel right. or take the table that's already set and just put new food on it and change the tablecloth and make it your own. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you'd be surprised, right? Like I, I was on the fence too with that conversation because, you know, ideally from the, from the pro black side of me, I'm like, yo, we need to build every single table. And you know what I mean? Like we need to make things happen our way. But, I feel as though going back to Jordan Peele and even bringing Tyler Perry back into the conversation with what he's done in Atlanta with his own studios, I, I feel as though like 
playing the game can be very beneficial to our culture. Um, I think when going back to your original point, when you know the type of man that you are, you know what type of integrity and morals you have, and you never sway away from that. Even when you're climbing, you know the end goal. You know that I'm doing all of this to give back to my culture when exactly. I make it to the top. That's the that's the goal, right? It's like you, it's like you're hunting for everybody, you know, hunting to be able to feed everybody that that you can, you know. Um, and it's not it's definitely nothing wrong with either side, you know. Um, I'm definitely pro black. You know, but I'm also definitely pro unity at the same time, too, because, you know, all the others aren't everybody is not to get black people, man. Yeah, you know I mean, some of the nicest people I know are Caucasians, Europeans, you know, who've helped pave the way that I'm going, you know, help pave my path. You know, um, you know, so again, you know, I'm I'm definitely pro black. Don't want to go there about it. You know I mean, but at the same time, you know, I also believe in that concept of unity because we have what they need. They have what we need. Let's bring it together and maximize the opportunities to be able to overall to over, to essentially produce, you know, produce great concepts so everybody can enjoy it across all the across the entire board. You know, when people go to the movies, when I go see black movies, I see white people in there watching black movies. When I go see when I go to see white movies, I see black people in there watching white movies. It's for everybody. So with that being said. And that, that's kind of the beauty. That's kind of the beauty of the career that you're in is that even um, work that was specifically w- was culturally specific can be enjoyed by different groups. So, like when I went to go see Black Klansmen, I was the only black person in the theater. And when the movie ended and we're all in there crying, it did make me feel like ah, uh, this is cool that like they're they're definitely relating to some of our battles. They're relating to some of the things that we've gone through. And Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. is one of my favorite movies. And you can tell that it was a celebration of Asian culture in that way. Um, but I definitely appreciated uh, the portrayal. I appreciated the the atmosphere. I appreciated all those, all those things. So going back to your point about how your media, your career you being an actor, how it kind of transcends, right? Like it can be very cultural, but still impact a lot of people. Yeah, I I think that's, I think that's, oh, I definitely agree with you. I think that's super dope. And it actually had me thinking a lot lately about um, a quote that uh, Diddy had said a while ago. This was like years ago in one of his his YouTube sessions, but he had said that he believed we're going into like another black renaissance for media mm-hmm. media and music. And that like we, over this next like few decades, we're really gonna see some gems come out of media um, for music and, um, and, and acting and movies and different things like that. And I wrote down with my list, I started thinking about like Blackish, Black Panther, Empire, Power, Queen and Slim, straight out of Compton. I think about these really iconic statements that have been made. Um, do you kind of agree, or do you have any thoughts on like? Do you feel like this is like really a time where we're we're really shining in media? Uh, I do. I just hope that it's for the right reasons, Rory. You know, mm. um, Black Lives Matter is that became political. You know, I just got a personal opinion about, you know, corporations capitalizing off Black Lives Matter to get money. Right? I mean, like, also, I just kind of hope that, you know, that in this new renaissance of black media, you know, that it's, it's really coming from a sense of genuineness and integrity. And, um, and it's not and I just hope that it's not a need for it or a desire for it because it's going to bring in revenue because it's the topic. Because it's because it's the trending exactly. topic right now is is the Black Lives Matter, like you said. So let's make a whole bunch of movies or, on police brutality. Just, a I, lot I, of movies are just yeah. around black culture, you know. And even then, you know, are we even being responsible with what that is, right? You know, because if you have the if you have, if you're in the position to be able to portray us in a, in such a light and tell our stories, it is not all about you know the struggle, drugs, strippers, and shit. Like there's so many different stories about us yeah. that you can tell if you're actually utilizing the platform to be able to expand on our history, who we are as a culture, even in today and where we're going, then I think that puts us in a major advantage yeah. if it's done with integrity and the sense of genius, not just for I'm not just from a capitalistic perspective. And not just to be sensationalized, right? Like I was talking to uh, my buddy Jerome a while ago and I was like, I'm surprised that Garrett Morgan 
had never got a movie. And he was a dude who I had researched early on when I was like a kid, but he was a black inventor and he was an engineer and he helped create the uh, gas mask. Well, he created, let me not say help create. He created the gas mask as well as the stoplight. And those are inventions that still have saved lives to this day. And I, I, I think about portrayal of uh, of black culture, right? And who controls those portrayals? Who controls those narratives? Who has the say on what gets greenlit to be a movie? Um, what gets the funding to be a movie? And how much control uh, do we have? And so, um, where I'm where I'm going with this question? Because I kind of just started getting in my bag a little bit. So let me <laughs> bring it back to the question. My question overall for you is: What are your thoughts on portrayal? with us and also what advice would you have for up and coming actors as far as picking the roles that may may be best for our portrayal as a culture um i think when it comes down to picking roles and stuff i mean for our portrayal i mean my advice is that you know that we talk about it all that we talk about it all mm. you know not just what sounds cool or trendy like for instance again tyler she did a whole project on, on down syndrome and it educated a lot of people but most importantly about it's so many people that were actually going through the exact same circumstances that were portrayed in the movie, but it was a positive movie. There wasn't any cursing in the movie, not one cursing word in the movie. It was positive. Um, it was a love. It was a love story. It was a family story. You know, tell the truth to, of everything. That's not necessarily something that's going to bring in the audience to get their ROI, the return on investment for the money that was put up for the budget. You know, so. Just tell, just the, tell truth. the honest tell story. The honest you know, story. So I really encourage others. Don't be afraid to tell that truthful, blissful story because people are going to watch it and people are going to be able to connect with that. Because at the end of the day, outside of the BS, outside of the BS, you know, and outside of the Instagram and the you know the facades, people are still human regardless, and people are going to connect with it. They might not want to talk about it because it might be too sappy because it's just a war we live in now, right? You know, so I definitely believe that you know upcoming peers of mine, you know, um, talent and such directors and creatives, you know, should definitely take that lane of trying to expand on something, you know, to tell our story outside of, you know, just what is perceived to be the norm. You know what I mean? No, I, I 100% agree with that. It, I mean, you, you've done such a good job of keeping everything full circle. Cause that ties back into what you were saying in the beginning of knowing who you are, going after roles that feel right, turning down things that feel wrong and uh, trusting your gut and your instincts on a lot of that, right? Like, you know, when you are playing a character that you're like, yo, this is a, a, a caricature, like this is not a real black person. Like, I think, I think we have that gut instinct to be like, okay, her name is Laquana Sheeta. Like, come on, dog. Like, she's not a real <laughs> right. person. You know what I'm saying? I think we have that yeah, like, why has she got <laughs> 12 like, syllables in her name? Time, like, you, gotta, you gotta be honest now. So, folks, oh, we got about 13, 14 syllables in her name. You know what I mean? So that might be some of the names out there, Warriors. Whoever watches it, that's your name. No pun intended. <laughs> With a little, they got yeah, a little hype. Hype is people. actually, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay. it's my dad's name and my mom's yeah. name. They brought them together. Um, but all right, so just just to wrap it up, because we're starting to get to the end of this. Um, one thing that was really important to me about legacy, um, and I think that you have you have definitely talked about it with your brand. But I think when you think about what your legacy is, it's also about understanding what makes you individually special, and what's your bargaining chip, right? Like, what is the thing that you're like? I bring this to the table. I do this impressively well. Um, this is who I am. And although you may find some people who can do something similar, you can't find anybody who does it mm. the way that Keon does it. Um, how did you how did you figure that out for yourself? Like what did how, how did you understand what your bargaining chip was and what advice do you have for upcoming actors with trying to figure Ooh, out what that's makes a tricky them question, special? man, because little do you know, I'll be completely vulnerable. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you don't necessarily <laughs> know the shoes we're in sometimes, Wari. You know, so I'm in the mm. process of pushing my brand and actually really narrowing down and discovering what that really is, you know, but see, that's in my mind, you know, because I find myself working with a lot of people and they see and they say, Keon, you're a brand, you're a brand, you're a brand. And I ask them, well, what is that? And to so many different people, 
Mm. It's, it's different to so many different people because they see me in so many different ways and different lights. You know, so um, my bargaining chip for me is just I honestly, I'm always going to I'm always true to myself. And by me staying true to myself, I'll be true to the character. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Full circle. Yeah, so that makes that makes that makes true to myself. Crazy. I'm being true yeah. to the character that I'm portraying and giving that character a chance, you know, to live, you know, through me. You know, um, I'm not the character. The character is me. Constantine Stanislavski <laughs> creating a creating a role, acting an actor prepares, you know, building a building a character. Those are that's a that's a trilogy that I started off reading. You know, uh, he was my engineer. Meisner, um, my excuse me, Sanford Meisner's uh, acting, you know, his that was his his OG for like a pair of sand. And um, I think for me, yeah. I think a part of my brand is being true to myself, you know, unapologetically. And the more that I tap into that, the more the more I have been tapping into that, the more successful I've, I've actually been, Jari. Um, whether that's the charm, the business, the professionalism, even the way I think about things, what do I bring to the table? What I bring to the table is, you know, you're going to know that I'm going to, I'm here to work. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my best. And I'm always going to come into a new, to a new situation green, being willing to learn, being to understand that this is something new. I haven't done this before. Yes, I've acted before, but I haven't done this before. No, I haven't worked with you before, so to speak. So, you know, just being able to always be a student to my peers, being a student to those that I'm leading, being a student to those that I'm following, but most importantly, you know, just being who I am to the core in that process and marrying to that and trusting myself. So the thing is a lot of people get involved in, you know, in acting and things like that, or just, you know, just any anything and they don't go into it with a sense of trust for themselves. Until they get the until they get that validator, yeah. I mean, and you kind of shortchange yourself. So, you know, uh, as you mentioned before, yeah, I've been through some things, stuff like that, to be able to develop this confidence and this experience, to be able to speak to this capacity about it from my point of view. But a part of that is also, you know, being willing to again be a student, but then also begin trusting myself as a as an artist and making decisions outside of myself when it's time for me to be that character and when it's time for that mind F that we talked about earlier, you know? So, but most importantly to directly answer your question, you know, just kind of being green and ultimately being true to myself and being honestly genuine um, with those that are around me and the people that I'm working with. I love that so much, man, because I think that in this age right now where we're always trying to give our best selves and we're always trying to dress ourselves up and make us look like we have no flaws, you living in your truth, you coming with a sense of humility, right? Like being green is being very humble. That's coming and saying, I have areas I can learn. Like I'm not going to come into the room and act like I'm the smartest in the room. I'm going to act like you have something that I can, I can uh, appreciate and learn from. You have something that I can appreciate and learn from. And that's how I'm going to continue going up and forward in my career. And I think that those being your pieces of advice, um, it, it's, it's, it's more important now than I think it's ever been with a lot of us trying to live like mm -hmm. these. I these agree. And honestly, I'm glad you said that, you know, um, I always challenge people. I always ask people this question. What do you tell people when they ask you, what's your truth? What are you going to tell them? What are you really going to tell them? Mm. I tell you mine. You know what I mean? Like, what are you, what are you really going to tell them? You know, are you going to tell them your facade? Are you going to like, are you going to ask them when people, when people ask you, how did you get here? Are you going to make up some shit? Are you going to just be honest about, about, about what it is? You know, like your facade It's so hard to keep up. It's, it takes way more easy. I'm sorry. It takes way more effort to keep up, a, to manage a facade and keep up with that. Opposed to you just, opposed to you just taking the time and going back and just living in your truth. And, and dog, living in your truth is so like, it's, it's you, you feel free. You feel like, yo, I'm not lying. I'm not living in a lie. Like this is, this is who I am. And yes, it may not be what you expect or mm -hmm. what you want. It's okay. It is what it is. Am, you know, at the end of the day, when you start tapping into that, you know, and people start to see it, People start to envy it because they wish they had the balls to do the same thing, you know. And again, you know, all the encouragement is leading around people just generically or genuinely, excuse me, genuinely being who they truly are to themselves and living that. And honestly, once you kind of get into that space of, of acceptance for who you are, 
it makes something like acting a whole lot easier to approach. Easier to approach, not easy to do, but easy to approach. Ladies and gentlemen and travelers, that was Keon Mitchell. Uh, what what an episode. What an episode. Uh, we we kind of covered it all. There's a lot of gems. This is one of those <laughs> that you're going to have to run it back. Then after you listen to yeah, it a yeah, second yeah. time, run it back one more time because Keon, man, uh, he, he's, he came with that heat. You can tell that this is a guy who's passionate and a guy who he's a man on a mission. He got somewhere that he plans on being and nothing's going to stop him. Um, Keon, before before we before we break out here, man, um, what what last bit of advice would you like to leave with everybody? And then also, it's where can they? It's never you at? too late to go and get what you what you want. It's never too early to go and get what you want. This is for older generations. This is for younger generations. Anybody who's listening, it's never too late. Um, I have a campaign that I, that I want to start soon. You know, uh, but I'm kind of already starting it with myself being an example. But it's essentially just give yourself a chance. It's called give yourself a chance. JYC, give yourself a chance. Give your channel, give, give yourself a chance to leave that impact. Give yourself a chance to be that follower, that leader. Give yourself a chance to be that student and give yourself a chance to make those mistakes because you're going to make. And you're going to find it extremely hard trying to avoid making the mistakes opposed to just diving in to unfamiliar territory where mistakes are bound to happen. Live freely, live confidently, trust yourself. And at the end of the day, to be honest with you, once you get into that space, people are going to go. You have to be okay with that. You know, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned within this last year. People are going to go when you start really giving yourself a chance. You know, because nobody's going to bet on you like you. And nobody can tell your story like you can. Nobody's walking your shoes. You know, you can't let people out here that hasn't that haven't experienced where you're going, that don't have what you have, the blessings that you have, the flaws that you have, you know, the gifts that you have. They don't have them. You know, they're able to guide you, but they can't do it for you. Don't be afraid of your flaws. You're going to make mistakes. Don't be afraid of your flaws. Let me tell you something. My flaws have led me here. So when people are telling you Talk about you it. have a flaw here, you have a flaw there, yeah, it's a flaw to them because it's not their life and they just don't agree with it. And they don't understand why your flaw may be in flaw. But honestly, God gave you that flaw for a reason. I can't tell you guys are stressed enough how much God has used my quote unquote flaw of stubbornness, quote unquote to get me out of my own way, to get my angels to my front door so I can listen. So again, trust yourself, trust who you are, know who you are, and give yourself a chance. That's my word. You can find me on any social media platform at Keon R. Mitchell. I don't really use Twitter like that. It's too much going on. You know what I mean? You can definitely find me on the ground, though. You know what I'm saying? You can definitely find me on my Instagram handle is Keon R. Mitchell. That's You can find me practically on any social media platform. And if you guys decide to reach out, I'll definitely reply. My team will get at you as soon as we possibly can. It's busy season right now. But most importantly, stay up. And if you need anything, you know, just definitely reach out. I do the best I can, but most importantly, I love you guys, man. I genuinely mean that from my heart. So thank you guys. We love to hear it. We love to hear it. That was Keon, baby. This was the Thousand Miles of Melanin podcast. I've been your host, Jawari Boyd. Remember, as you travel your thousand mile journey, take it one step at a time. Keon, we so appreciate you. We love you for being here, dog. Thank you, man. If you need anything from us, you know to hit us up.